This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the contact center code. Many years ago, I became the president of a company that I had worked in or had recently worked in, and and I was gone for 10 days. And in that 10 days, I went from vice president of sales to president. And it's a really interesting story and all sorts of twists and turns, but maybe I'll tell that at another time. But anyway, I think I started being president on a Tuesday, if I remember correctly. So When I came back after those 10 days, I I still had an office. Uh, My office had not been taken over by anybody else. And so I made that office the president's office. I didn't move into the corner office, which was where the previous president was. I didn't take on uh, that person's admin. I just stayed where I was. So I kind of shifted the power from one corner of the building to another corner of the building. You know what? Early on, I got up on the furniture, made a big speech. Uh, made a decision on going from Friday casual to all the time casual, which allowed me to wear shorts and flip-flops to work, which I thought was really, really cool. I also made some pretty early significant changes we, uh, and some restructuring that was, that was really important, maybe some of the most important decisions that I made. But I don't think I really felt like the president until I started making decisions in meetings we get the senior team together or, or a large group of people. And, and in those meetings, I'd been in those meetings for years, but I'd always been in that meeting that there was somebody else in the room that was ultimately responsible, somebody that was in charge. And so you could give input, you could have your, you know, sometimes your opinion was taken. Uh, you might be in a, with a group of people that had a long discussion. You might have fought, you know, really hard for what you wanted, but ultimately, it wasn't my decision, it was the leader's decision at that time, and that wasn't me. And so there was always a little bit of safety in knowing that it ultimately wasn't your final decision. But I remember the very first time that I had to make a decision and realize that, oh my, everybody in the room is going to look to me, I get to make the final decision. And I learned a really, really important lesson that I, I still use to this day, and that was when I made decisions I was looking for the smartest, most prepared, most passionate people on whatever the subject was that we were trying to make a decision on. And many times there was more than one person that I was trying to get that information from. Sometimes, rarely, I was the smartest, most prepared, and most passionate on the particular subject, and then I would choose what I thought, but that didn't happen very often. There was usually someone who stood out that that got it and it was pretty crystal clear that they were the smartest person in the room on that particular subject on that particular problem and i would uh and i would choose them 
Now, every once in a while, no one was very smart, and that included me, and in those circumstances, I was the one that guessed. I was the, I was the professional guesser and was the only one that would guess, so you can imagine many times somebody would pitch something to me and, or pitch something to the group, and it was pretty clearly they were guessing as well. They were unprepared, and, and, you know, and obviously many times we also just waited until we had better answers rather than me just guessing. But that's my prelude to podcast 95, and my title is You Can Make a Difference. You can actually be the person that solves a problem, overcomes a challenge, makes a wave, makes a difference, fixes something, makes something better, makes something much, much better. When was the last time you made a difference? Because you can. And so what I thought I would do is walk you through what it takes to make a difference. How do I change something? How do you change something in your organization for the better? Well, first off, we have to decide, what is the problem? What what are we trying to change? So what is the biggest problem that you guys have in your contact center? Maybe it's the most expensive problem, the most important problem, the most pressing problem, or the one that your leaders are talking about. It may affect CSAT or ESAT or turnover, FCR, adherence, or quality monitoring. Maybe there's more than one problem, you have problems, write them down. Write them down and let's take a look at them. And you know what? I'd love to hear what your problems are. Send them to me, mtamerproponacy.com. I'd love to know what the challenges and problems are that, you've got stru- that you're struggling with in your organization. But if you've got a problem or you've got a number of problems, then the next question you have to ask yourself is, does anyone with, a, with the authority to attack or fix the problem So again, who's the person in authority that has the authority to attack or fix the problem? Does that person really understand it, have a problem, have a plan to fix it, really care, and have they ever fixed anything before? And you might say, well, that that sounds a little bit crazy. How do I I even start with that? Well, we start with anyone with authorities. Is that you? Are, Are you the person that has the authority to fix problems in your center? If you do, then you're just missing the other four parts. Um, If it's not you, do you have access to the person that has the authority to fix or attack a problem? Do you know somebody who you trust that has access? Do you know someone who has a history of sending something up the line to get it fixed? And if your next thought is, well, you know, Michael, I'm just a, insert your title, I'm just a supervisor, a team lead, contact center manager, contact center director, in charge of QM, in charge of training, vice president, executive vice president, whatever it is, and you're not that person of authority, then you have to know how to access that person of authority and how to make a presentation to that person on how you make a change. And so in order to attack or fix the problem, we have to really run through those four components that I mentioned before. So let's take a look at each one of them closely. And here's the question you have to be asking yourself. Number one, is that an attribute that you have? So let's just say you're the decision maker in all this. Well, maybe you have all four of these components yourself and you can do all these attributes yourself and you don't need anybody else. You can just do it yourself. Odds are pretty slim of that. More than likely, you need a team of people. And if you're a recommender, if you're somebody that's going to have to bring this to someone who has the power or the authority to make the change, The way that you make a difference is you collect these components, you put them together, and you make a presentation. 
or you get the authority or the approval to go out and create and bring these four pieces together so that you can attack and fix a problem. You know, you never get a raise, you never get a promotion by just doing whatever it is you're supposed to do, what your job description says. The way that you get a raise or promotion or new opportunity is that you, you, you make a wave, you make a difference, you fix something. You make something better. You make something much, much better than it was before. Is that something you're interested in? If you're Rose, if you've listened to any of my earlier podcasts, if you're Rose, if you're the kind of person that wants to make a difference, then you're saying, yeah, I'm that person. I want to do that. Well, if you are, here we go. Well, listen, in order to attack and fix the problem, the first thing you have to do is you have to really understand the problem. I call that person the communicator. That's the person that can co- clearly communicate what the problem is, which means, which means we've got to gather the data. We've got to gather data, whether that's from workforce management, from other leaders, from the front line, QM, customer, from your customers, from other departments. We've got to gather the data and prepare the data to share the problem. We've got to know exactly what the problem is. We've got to know exactly what the impact of that problem is. One of the best ways to do that is, is more than likely you're gonna make a difference with one of your KPIs in the organization. One of the things that you measure, you know what those are. Usually the problem or issue that you have is something that's related to one of your KPIs. So we've gotta be the person that can gather the data. And usually that person is a person that can communicate because it's someone that, that, that goes around and, and, and can talk to other people, can gather data, can, can bring that data together, can set up the meetings, can do the interviews, can, can produce the reports, can collect whatever the information is from the multiple departments so that you can, you can do that. So once we really understand the problem, then we need to create a plan that can be evaluated that will actually fix the problem. And that's usually a, a, a problem planner. This is a person that's really, really good at building a plan on how to solve it. And that problem usually has multiple components, right? It's got a, maybe has a technology, a service issue, a culture issue, a training issue associated with it. Sometimes that's a vendor, right? So, so I'm in the business of helping customers solve problems. So if, if you've got a, a, a turnover problem or a, a frontline supervisor uh, maximizing their coaching problem or your organization that, that struggles with training or engagement, that's a problem that, that my organization can help you fix, but it can't help you unless there's somebody in the organization that's, that's in a position to be able to, that has access to the power that can do that. But when, but those problems don't also, don't necessarily ever, aren't always solved by an outside vendor or a consultant. Many times they're solved internally. And in order to create a plan that someone can evaluate and fix it, it has to be a complete solution, which means you need to know how to fix it, how to implement it, and how to pay for it. And you also need to know what the expected outcome is going to be. So, so how to fix it or the steps that you take to fix it. The implementation is what are we going to go through? How are we going to actually work this into our organization? You're going to have to figure out a way to pay for it. And that usually means you need to have a return on investment. A return on the money that it's going to cost you to make the fix. But there's also other returns that you're going to have to take a closer look at. You're going to have to take a look at the return on distraction. What is fixing this problem going to do to the rest of the organization? Return on chaos. Is this going to just create complete havoc and chaos in my organization? The return on the impact of other areas of the organization. What's, what, if we make this change, what's it going to do to other areas? Might be a return on culture. 
a return on CSAT, or we have to look at what the impact it's going to be on any of our KPIs that we've got going. But the second thing we have to do is to create a plan and evaluate and fix it. Is that you? Are you a problem planner? Are you the kind of person that has skills and talents and gifts and tools that, that you, can, you, can build the, you can build the correct solution on how you're going to fix it? And you probably already know a, a name of someone that you just go, oh, no, no, that wouldn't be me. That would be Sally or that would be George. And, and that's a person that you need to have on your team. Third up, I, I, I said, after they really understand and you've got a plan, you've got to have somebody that really cares. Because if, 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 if people don't really care, if, if, if I can't get the authority, the person that's going to make the decision, the person that has the access to the power to, to fix the problem, and again, that not being you, then I've got to have somebody that really cares, which means that I need a consensus builder. I need someone that can share the benefits of the results with everybody. And, and, and that's before you start it, that's when you start it, and that's after you start it. And that communication, that consensus builder is going to be, going to be being able to communicate that to the people that are going to be impacted by it. The people that are going to have to make a change, the people that are going to have to learn something new, the people that are going to be, to be uh, their work is going to be impacted by it. It's going to change the structure, the way that they do things. And sometimes I have to communicate and get a consensus builder that things are usually going to get worse before they get better. Very rarely can you fix something on the fly that doesn't break something else, or at least slow something else down or diminish some area until you can work it and get it better. When you make a change in your organization and you put a process change through and everybody has to learn it, usually you make that change because there's been something worse. And so when you make that change, things get a little bit worse and then they get a little bit better. And, and if you take a look at it, that is the whole new hire to nesting, to first steps on the floor, to, to be running and, and being every day in the contact center. I mean, we start with people that don't know what they're doing. They slowly begin to learn the information and the skills and the culture so that they can progressively get better and they, and they do get better over time. And the other thing that you have to be able to really care about and be a consensus builder on is that everyone has too much to do. You work in a contact center, there's, there's nobody that has any time. At least they say they don't have any time and you can listen to some other podcast and what I think about time, but, but you're going to have to get busy people to understand and recognize and see the results and the benefits of the changes and the difference that's going to be made. One of the things that I hear all the time in a contact center that just makes me shudder is that they say they, they, they have to stop coaching because they're too busy. It's a, it's a great example of, of running a car with a flat tire. And it runs with a flat tire all the time because you just don't have time to stop and put some more air in the tire. You know that it's doing damage to your tire. You know that it's doing damage to your gas mileage. You know it's doing damage to your ability to be able to maneuver the car and protect the people that you love and yourself from getting in an accident, but you just don't have time to fill up the tire. So invariably, either it gets much worse and something terrible happens, or eventually you stop and fill up the tire. It's that way sometimes when we know what the right answer is, and we know that in order to fix a problem and make a difference, we're going to have to make a change, but we're too afraid to make the change to take a little step backwards in order to go forwards. You know, I, I will tell you that many times in a contact center, that step backwards is nowhere near what you think it is. If you have hundreds of people working in your contact center, there are a ton of things that you can do 
to make changes to your center, especially in the area of coaching, that won't cost you anything that you can even remotely measure. You can just make the change. Well, if, if, if I've got them that really care, if I've got the plan that they can evaluate and they really understand, there's only one more, one more person that I need, and that's someone that's fixed anything before. That's the problem solver. That's the person with the experience that's probably done this before, that's implemented it and can get it done. And so the question is, are you that person? Do you have some sort of history or experience with having done that? I know you're saying, well, Michael, you told me ahead of time that I was going to be able to make a difference. Well, you can make a difference just because you're the, you're the one with the idea. You're the one that wants to be the leader. You're the one that wants to be a key contributor. Maybe this is the one time when you're going to ride alongside and you're going to learn from this. And then the next one, you're going to be able to be the person that actually fixes it. It's actually the problem solver. And sometimes the problem solver is just the person that's going to implement it. You know, you're going to need some people to fight so others can improve. There's going to be some people in this problem solving that may have to take it on the chin for a while in order for some other people to, to get better. So, so you might have to make a sacrifice for others. Many times someone has to hold the fort down while other people attack. You know, whatever the component that you have in this, whether you're the problem solver or the consensus builder or the communicator or the problem planner, whichever one of those you are, or maybe you're going to be all four of them because it's a problem you can fix yourself. You can actually make a difference. You don't have to sit there and have the same thing occur over and over and over in your center. I've been at this for years. People make changes. People get better. Don't lose hope. You can make a difference. You can make a difference. Find the person if it's not you that has the authority to attack or fix the problem, help them to really understand, give them a plan to fix it, make sure that everybody really cares and get some experience with you and go ahead and fix the problem and make a difference. I told you when I was president, I was looking for smart, prepared, passionate people, and there could be more than one of them. Are you one of those people? Are you smart, prepared, and passionate about making a difference? It's the way that you get a raise. It's the way that you get a promotion. It's a way that you get more challenges. It's a way that gives you an extra kick in your step when you get up in the morning and you take a look at something that may take you a day, may take you a week, may take you a month, may take you a year, but it's something that you can accomplish and find success in and bring success to other people in your center. I tell you every week that you can be a great leader. It just requires a lot of hard work and focus. This is an example of hard work and focus. And it usually means that you need a mentor or somebody to help bring you along, to help provide some expertise in an area that maybe you don't have. And also, when you get that expertise, you can bring, bring along someone else. Be that great leader. If you are a great leader, let me know. I, I know you're out there. I know we're building great leaders. Make sure you share it with other people. Tell somebody, I'm going to be a great leader, or I'm already a great leader. I want to be an even greater leader. It's been great to talk to you this week. I'm so excited about my next, my next five podcasts because I got five to go till I hit 100. Can't wait to share them with you. I hope you have a great week. Look forward to talking to you next.
Bye-bye now. You are being forwarded to the contact center code.